Welcome to the Tailoring Talk Show with me, your host, Roberto Revilla. I'm a bespoke tailor, menswear designer, and owner of Roberto Revilla London Suit and Shirt Makers. This is the podcast where you drop in for the threads, but often leave with something quite unexpected. I talk to self-starters and creators about their journeys, the highs and lows, and the lessons they've learned along the way. If you haven't already, please support the show by subscribing. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, please help us out by leaving a rating and a review. Today, I have a very special international guest all the way from Bangalore. She's a fellow podcaster and host of the Marketing Nomad Show. She's been a digital entrepreneur and business owner for two years. On top of that, she's a YouTube blogger, Etsy shop owner, content creator and nano influencer. I'm getting out of breath just listing all of the things that she does. Um, She's a marketing strategy consultant and CEO of the Marketing Nomad LLC. She successfully worked with over 60 clients from eight different countries in the last 12 months. She started from scratch and built a business that allows her to be a digital nomad. She's also an avid Bollywood dancer in her free time. Ladies and gentlemen, please join me in welcoming Prithvi Madhukar to the Tailoring Talk Show. Prit, how are you? Oh, I'm doing so well, Roberto. It's such a pleasure to meet you. It's such a pleasure to be on your podcast. I'm very excited to talk to you. I'm honored. Like, you're Wonder Woman. Do you live in a different dimension to us Earthlings <laughs> where you have like 72 hours every single day? Because I don't know how you fit all of that stuff in. <laughs> Oh, well, that's such a beautiful compliment. Well, thank you so much, Roberto. But yes, um, I mean, when I used to look at other entrepreneurs, I used to secretly think that they had superpowers, to be honest. So it's kind of funny that you feel that way about me. But I guess it's just, you know, time management. It's just having that drive, having that passion. I'm sure you can resonate with that, too. Oh, yeah, 100%. Um, I think some of my certainly my friends and my clients as well wonder how I managed to you know run the business all the time and then do the podcast as well especially now it's really starting to pick up momentum and then I mean I've been recording all day today since this morning so wow which actually do you know it's been really really nice um I just recorded with Alvin Nase who um is part of our podmatch community uh, and he's based over in Germany awesome awesome guy like he's a business coach pharmacist by trade but has gone into coaching and what he doesn't know about entrepreneurship is not worth knowing so I can't wait to get that out I was with a friend of mine Natasha who's an interior designer this morning Um, absolutely fascinating conversation I just feel so privileged to I don't it's probably been the same for you as well because when did you start podcasting was that quite recently no it's probably been a year I've had about um, 30 guests on my show now up until now yep yeah okay so we're about the same because I've been going about 15 15 months or so Mm -hmm. Um, and probably about the same number of guests because although we're well by the time your episode goes out probably over 50 episodes but oh wow um, yeah I do have some regulars that like to come back on (laughs) Uh, you know which is really nice so the marketing nomad how did you get started in that area what were you doing before okay that's such an that's one of my favorite questions to be honest Roberto and I can't wait to get into it my story has got drama it's got intrigue it's got 
It's got a girl who has absolutely no idea that her life is going to change. And uh, that's me, of course. Just spoiler awesome. alert. <laughs> so it's uh, basically, it's a Bollywood movie. It's a Bollywood movie. <laughs> <laughs> I probably should ask um, one of the famous Bollywood directors for copyright, I mean, the rights to my own story. But yeah, so it's got <laughs> all of the things that a Bollywood movie has. So I am basically an engineer. Um, in, in my society, when I grew up, there was only three things that you could be, a doctor, lawyer, or an engineer. Otherwise, people would not really treat you with respect or, you know, they would say that you would not be successful in any other field. Yeah. And so, of course, a lot of peer pressure, a lot of societal pressure. I decided to take up engineering. Oh, second year of my engineering, I realized, nope, <laughs> it's <laughs> not for me. This is not something I see the next 40 years of my life doing. And, you know, while other people around me that might have been something that they were interested in and they found their passion in engineering. But for me, it just wasn't. And around this time, my dad is a very typical Indian parent. He said, you know, instead of lazing around the house during summer holidays, why don't you go get an internship? And I was like, oh, well, you know, <laughs> with the marks I have, I don't think I'm going to get an internship. And of course, it was a joke. We all laughed and my mom was not amused because she too is also a very typical Indian parent. So the next day, my dad takes me to his office. He has his own company. He takes me to his office and uh, he introduces one of his employees to me and he says, well, they are working on the website. So why don't you just take a look at the website, see what's happening there, maybe fix a little bit of the grammar, fix a little bit of the sentences. And so I did that and I didn't stop there. I went forward, I changed sentences, I figured out one particular aesthetic of the website wasn't matching with the branding, and then I changed that as well. I gave my inputs, all of those things. And then slowly I moved on to social media pages of the company. I started putting out captions out there, helping them with the back end of marketing. I did not know it was called marketing. I absolutely had no clue. I, I didn't even know people could make a living out of this because um, the people who were working, I had no idea how their career path even went about. And I was stuck in engineering at the time, right? So I went back the next two summers as well. Uh, time just flew. I was there eight hours and that was the first time I could actually feel passion towards something work-related. Yeah. And both my parents are business owners. So after completing my engineering degree, I did not even apply for a single job. I was like, nope, nope. I'm definitely doing a second degree, probably in something that aligns better with what I want to do. Since both my parents were business owners, something that has always been a part of me that I want to start my own business someday. So I decided to do my MBA. So I applied to universities. I got into a good university in uh, upstate New York. It's Rochester Institute of Technology. I got into their MBA program and I think it was the second week of college. I'm, I'm entering class and I'm in my marketing class and the teacher, the professor, she's kind of asking questions about, you know, trying to gauge the class level. And there I was answering every single question of hers. And I was so shocked because these were not normal questions. These were questions about maybe a marketing campaign that Coca-Cola had done 10 years ago or a marketing campaign that Maggie, that's a noodle brand, had done three years ago. And I knew these things. And turns out that my entire life, I'd been slowly absorbing information about marketing without even realizing I was passionate about it. 
And it was in that moment that I, I guess it changed my entire career path. And I said, I'm going to do marketing. That's, that's absolutely what I want to do. It doesn't matter if no one's ever, it's a, you know, path that's less trotted on or whatever it is. I'm just yeah. going down that path. So after I completed my MBA, and this is where the drama starts, <laughs> um, after I completed my MBA, uh, you get one year of work. Basically, it's optional practical training under your student visa. So I got into a good company in New York. It's It was a solar firm. Absolutely great. I was living on Long Island, right next to New York City, living yeah. my best life. A year later, I'm supposed to convert my student visa into a work visa. And unfortunately, or fortunately, actually seeing how everything has turned out, uh, that process is a lottery. And my work visa did not get processed, which meant I had to leave everything behind and come back to India, which wasn't, I guess I wouldn't say it wasn't a bad thing. But just leaving behind a place that called home for three years and the life that I had, the kind of future that I had envisioned for myself over there, you know, living the American dream, as they call it. And it was just really sad. I was in a lot of pain, a lot of anguish, a lot of frustration as well. It was around that time that I thought, okay, well, I've got two options right now. I have to either submit my resumes on LinkedIn or you know, I could actually just start something on my own. I had always planned to start mm -hmm. something on my own, but that was like 10 years down the line. I thought, why not try it now? I mean, if there was something good that could come out of such a bad situation, then I owe it to myself to at least try. I could try for a year, see how it works. If it works, it works. If it doesn't, I could always go back to submitting resumes on LinkedIn and trying to get a full-time job. So that actually started my entire entrepreneurial journey. And at that time, I sat and thought to myself, well, I love marketing. That's a given there. But what is something else that I really like doing? What am I planning to achieve with this? Yes, I want the freedom that comes with the entrepreneurial journey, but what else? And I realized I loved traveling. So I was like, okay, well, I want to be a nomad. I also like marketing, nomad, marketing, marketing, nomad. Well, I am the marketing nomad. And that's actually the origin story of my um, my online pseudonym. And I'm known as the marketing nomad every single place. Wow. So yeah, that's my story, Roberto. That's, uh, I'm really into superhero stuff. And that's one of the best superhero origin stories I've ever heard. <laughs> well, it's really funny you. because... It you're, you're you're obviously a very positive person. You were saying, you know, when that really awful thing happened, right? Your visa didn't get renewed. You had to go back to India. You had to leave everything you'd been working so hard for behind. And and you said while you were in New York, you were living your best life at Absolutely. the time. And it's so funny because you said straight away, but you know, it was okay because, and you put such a positive spin on it. But at that time, I bet oh. your heart must have been torn in two. Oh, it was, it was painful. It must have felt like the sky was just falling down, right? It was. And it, and I bet it wasn't just a click of the fingers and you were like, oh, don't worry, it'll be fine. I'll turn these lemons into lemonade. It took time, right? Of course. It took three months at least to make peace with where I was and a little more than six months after that for me to acknowledge that this was my new life. So yeah, yeah. it took time. It absolutely took time. 
Did your did your parents um how did they kind of react when you when you had to come back from New York? Were they disappointed for you or you know like some Asian parents were they like oh fantastic she's coming home. <laughs> she's not she she's not been quite led astray yet. We've got her back. How did well, they react? <laughs> To be honest, I think they were heartbroken for me because I think they knew that I was very happy in New York and to see me in pain, I think they were also in pain. But I think yeah. secretly they were happy that I was going to be living with them and they get to spend that time with me and I and I absolutely could feel that that I guess sense of um peace that I was with them especially during the pandemic because it just hit right there. And if I had been in another country, I'm pretty sure it would have been a different processing issue for them uh, to yeah. with their emotions and stuff like that. So in a lot of ways, I think it worked out and they were very supportive. They have been so supportive since the beginning. Like when I called them uh, from Long Island, I was like sobbing on the phone and I was like, <laughs> I'm going to start something on my own. And then my mom's like, OK, well, what do you need? Tell us. We'll, we'll be yeah. right there to help you. And. While I have not taken any financial support and I've actually invested all my savings to get into this journey, the amount of emotional support that they have given me, both my parents and my sister, oh, it's unparalleled, Roberto. I I would not have been, made it this far. All those things that you see about me, it's because of the amount of support that I have received from them and my friends as well. That foundation is so important and, and is. not being alone because entrepreneurs, by definition often tend to kind of be lonely islands basically and it, and it's only once they kind of get down the road on the entrepreneurship journey and I'm partly talking from personal experience yes um that they suddenly realize and then they start to reach out to people but where we can be very very headstrong yes. and it's just so I, I think I, I think it's so fantastic that at such a young age you you know decided that you were going to go and do this you had the support of your family so you had that really strong foundation underneath you and that is probably 80% of the battle did you when you decided okay I'm going to go and 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 do this did you have an end game in mind for the business or were you more focused on how am I going to get this started? So that's a really interesting question because when I first started, you have to understand that I was in a lot of pain. Um, I, I I was someone who had like five-year and 10-year goals for life. And to see all of that just fallen, fallen apart in just a matter of a month was uh, pretty painstaking for me. So when I started this entrepreneurial journey, it was just taking each day at a time. I That was all that I could do at the time. And it was only after, like I said, after that three month and then the extended six months after that, that I started realizing that, hey, okay, something's working here. I started getting clients. I started getting recognition on social media platforms. I think it was that time that I said, okay, I think I'm at a, at a stage where I've healed from what's happened and... I can start planning. So I guess a year into my entrepreneurial journey was when I started to uh, figure out where I could go with this and plan out the next maybe one year or five years of my business. But until then, yeah. the first one year, no, it was just taking the next day and seeing if I could sustain on this, like at least my basic business expenses and my personal expenses. And now that the train is has left the station and it's it's rolling along nicely, <laughs> yes. now, do, now have you gone back to setting 
resetting your one year, five year, 10 year goals. And obviously for yourself, but your business is obviously now a huge part of that. Have you done that for your business as well? Oh, yes, absolutely. I think that was one of the, um, you know, how when you're fully healed and then you take a step forward, that that sense of accomplishment that you feel. I think I felt that when I started planning for my business, I mean, I became very ambitious. It was very unlike me, especially in that one year where I'd become a shell of a person that I was. But I started to feel like myself again. And then I made a five year business plan. And I'm actually in year two of that business plan. And part of that plan was to publish a book. And I'm actually right on track for that as well. And yeah, I know. (laughs) You're writing a book right now? I'm, I finished writing a book. It's actually going to be published pretty soon. Um, end of August, beginning of September, 2022. Okay. So that means that very soon we have to do a follow up together and we have to talk about your book. So you're good. You'll let me know when it's released. Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. So that I can buy it. Yes. Do you want to know the title? You're going to laugh. I do. I'm not going to look. Why would I look? Okay, try me. Oh, because it's look. a funny one. Because it's a funny one. Okay. Okay. Go. Well, I mean, it, it was meant to be a, a positive title. So it's zero to four figures, lessons learned by a broke CEO. And well, it's basically my lessons of the last three years. So I wanted That's a awesome. positive vibe on the entire thing because it starts off with a lot of pain and anguish, but it's a, it's a ha- it's got a happy ending. It's got a happy, yeah. I guess, middle because my end hasn't come yet. No, that's right. You're you're just at the beginning of this yes. journey. That's so exciting. I can't <laughs> yeah. wait to read it. I can't Thank wait you. to read it. I'm so excited about it. Oh, that's amazing. It. Yeah. So, um, so, yeah, once that's out and you're clear of all your PR and press obligations and stuff. Of course, then, yes. <laughs> you know, come back to little yeah. old me and we'll, yeah, I, we'll talk about it. I gotta be book. the star. <laughs> <laughs> Um, oh, that's that's so fantastic! Really, how was the? Um, how long has it taken to to get that book written, and how did you find the process? Oh, that's such a beautiful question, Roberto. So I basically started writing Jan of twenty twenty one, and then I wrote for four months. I wasn't happy with the direction; it just didn't feel authentic to me and my storyline. I guess what I did was. I took inspiration from other business books that were out there, other entrepreneurship books out there, and I started writing it in their style, but I realized that my style of writing was very different. My story was very different as well, my origin story, and I wanted to infuse my personality into the book. And that's when I took a break for six months, and then again, I started writing in October 2021. I finished the book in April, beginning of April, and then now it's just been the back end. Uh, it's been, it's been, I guess I would say, it's, I, I don't know. I guess I would say, I, I don't, I, I'm not able to get the word, but I guess I would say it's brought me a lot of peace, Roberto. Writing the book, writing my story, uh, explaining different lessons, because there's like 60 stories and lessons in the book. It's a big book. Yeah. <laughs> it's like 380 pages. So writing each story, understanding how my journey has come to where it is today and making peace with that, it's been very liberating. That's the word that I was looking for. It's been very, very liberating. And I think I've made peace with whatever has happened. I've found my happy place and um, I'm 
this book means so much to me in a lot of ways because it doesn't just have stories of my entrepreneurial journey. It has stories from my childhood, from the days that I grew up in Singapore, from my engineering days, from New York days. So many different stories that have actually helped me in my entrepreneurial journey. And that's um, in a lot of ways, I think it just summarized the entire 30 years of my life. So yeah, very special book, very, very special book um, in my like in my life right now. <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, it, it sounds like it's given you a lot of closure. It does, yes. It has, it has. You know, closure of that type then helps to propel you forward because yes, it's almost it like you've lost all of that baggage that you were still carrying, maybe to a lesser degree than obviously at the time it was very raw. Yes, But now you've Absolutely. been able to just, you know, you put that away, it's out there, people can read about it. Hopefully they'll learn and be inspired by that as well. Uh, and know that we all go through these things in our lives. Yes. I've got yes. I've got my own New York story. Um, oh, tell us, tell us. It's, <laughs> I mean, it's a sad one. I, you know, I was I was seeing someone from New York, so it was a long distance thing. Her family didn't want her moving over to the UK, so I basically started the process to change my life and put myself out that over there on the on my last visit I found out that she was seeing somebody else Ooh. and yeah so New York went from being my favorite city in the world to the place that for a little time I hated the most oh. so so that wasn't a very good place to be and I I thought that I'd always wanted to to go out there and in in hindsight maybe I should have just gone ahead and just got on with things regardless. But, you know, I'm very, I'm a very emotional person. And, uh, <laughs> you know, when I love, I love hard. And it, it really just broke me in two. So, um, so yeah, there we go. Well, um, it, it's well, all behind me now. I, yes, yes, <laughs> that's what I wanted to say. I mean, I'm, I'm sure you're in a better place now. Everything's... Yeah, exactly. I wouldn't be here talking to you today. Absolutely. Right? I think every every heartbreak has a purpose. I, I really think so because even um through like for me to even pivot to doing my MBA, there was actually a heartbreak involved involved there. And that that's just I guess every pain is redirection to you finding your purpose at the end of the day. Absolutely. So social media <laughs> something that I'm <laughs> I said that with a big sigh, didn't I? <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. It's, it, it's, it's so tricky for a lot of entrepreneurs. And I've certainly been guilty of this. I've now decided that Instagram and LinkedIn are the only two places that I need to be. Um, you know, Twitter, I still kind of hold that in reserve. And a lot of business owners kind of seem... We always seem to think that we need to be on every single platform going because yes. we don't want to miss reaching a potential audience. And we're always very, very scared to uh, to drop two or three of them and, yes. and really kind of work out where we really should be. So, you know, I, I've decided that Instagram is, is the most important one for me and LinkedIn. You know, Twitter's on the back burner and I just hate Facebook, <laughs> which is ironic because I have to use Instagram. When you're taking on clients, is this something that you come across quite often? And, and how do you help your clients to work out where they really should be focusing their efforts? Okay, that's a great question, Roberto. I, because a lot of people, they look at me and then they think that 
because I'm on so many platforms, I would automatically recommend that. I do not recommend that. Let me be very clear. The only reason why I am on so many different platforms is because I love content creation. It's just who I am as a person. That is one of my biggest strengths. And eventually I do want to be a full-time content creator. So that's the direction that I'm heading into. Whereas um, if you were maybe a product-based or a service-based business, that's not your direction. Marketing is supposed to be only one aspect of your entire business function. So I want to like put that out there as a disclaimer that even though I'm on so many different platforms, that's just a personal preference. And it's the direction that it's the vision that I see for myself. That's it. And when it comes to my clients or even, you know, all of you guys who are listening out there, if you are wondering which platform to start with your um, business marketing activities, I would first say start with one or two. That's it. First, focus on where your audience is, number one. If they are primarily on Instagram, focus your efforts on Instagram. For some businesses, their target audience is on Facebook then you know you have to hop on facebook so identify where your target audience is number two work to your strengths okay whatever content is the primary content of that social media platform try to see if it aligns with your strengths for example if you are a solopreneur you have to create your own content so do you like doing reels or do you prefer giving out tweets you know, those one line um, witty comments and those kind of things is what's your preference? Where does your strength lie? That's the next thing. And if you are a small business owner, uh, you would be probably thinking about hiring someone to do your social media marketing or, you know, looking at the resources that you have on hand and the resources that are not available to you as well. Take a look at all of that and see where your strengths are. So your strengths would be slightly different perspective, but it's still considered as strengths. The third thing that I would say is give each platform one goal. That's it. Every single business or at least most business, uh, small businesses that I see out there, they complicate each of their platforms because there are so many goals that they want to accomplish with one single platform. That's actually going to harm your business in the long run because Different kinds of content hitting different goals will actually confuse your audience. So I say keep one single goal. Like for me, for example, my YouTube is for, I would say, brand awareness. Okay, mm -hmm. my Instagram is for lead generation. However, my YouTube page does draw a lot of traffic to my Etsy shop. So it does do a little bit of lead generation, but the primary goal for my YouTube channel is solely brand awareness. Right. So make sure that you have one goal per platform that you pick. It can be anything, brand awareness, lead generation, SEO. It could even be community building for people who have already become your customers. And then you just want to give them a sense of community, a sense yeah. of belonging, and um, maybe make yourself an industry leader in that sense as well. So, so many different goals. So that would be my third step. My fourth step is very, very simple. What you're essentially doing with your marketing is that you are creating paths for people to find you. That's fundamentally what you're doing. As much as, you know, there are complex marketing strategies on the internet that you will have to implement at a later stage, you've got to start with creating paths for people to find you. 
And once you create paths for people to find you, find a way to interlink both of them. For example, if you are on Instagram and then you also have a website, try to get people from your website to your Instagram page. Try to get people from your Instagram page to perhaps your podcast. Make sure that there are links between each one of your paths. That's basically a fundamental way to go about your marketing without complicating it too much, especially when you don't have that many resources on your end. Thank you so much for that. The the other thing as well that, that a lot of people worry so much about, and you must hear this all the time, because what you were talking about there was focusing more on obviously the individual goals for each platform that you've decided that you want to be on. You've not talked once about the dreaded L word, likes, you know, because that's another thing that a lot of people really, really focus on. And then they start panicking because they post content They only get a few likes. They can't work out why. They don't understand why they're not getting more engagement and so on. And, you know, I mean, for example, me on Instagram, I've just turned the, you know, you can turn the likes feature off um, so you don't see the totals. Yeah. I I can obviously still go into the insights, but when I'm just flicking through, I don't need to be worrying about that kind of stuff. I'm just trying to now focus on just making each post the best quality that I can. Um, yes. and focus on my messaging rather than trying to be too clever with it um, and going for likes and things. But how how do you deal with that? Because that must come up quite a lot. It does, of course. Um, metrics are definitely, but I would say these are called vanity metrics, um, likes uh, uh, and all of those that Instagram does come up with. Yes, it does cause a lot of anxiety, especially with my clients and To be very honest with you, Roberto, when I first started, this was a point of concern for me as well. But I think that when you start looking at likes or all of those shares and saves as just a way to understand your audience and what they're looking for, it really flips the way you look at it. Instead of using likes as a validation, you start using it as a way to say, okay, okay, this content is not working with my audience. How about I tweak it a little bit? Or what if I actually speak to my followers one-on-one, try to understand what kind of content are they looking from me? Or you can even say, all right, maybe this is not trending right now. Maybe this content is not trending right now. How can I improve it? A lot of times we think that likes are a testament to our, I don't know, marketing skills or our content creation skills or our intellect or our ability to perform as a business owner as well. So I would say use likes. I mean, yes, it's important to take a look at your likes, but don't use it as a way to say, okay, this is this is a direct influence on me as a person or me as a business owner. No, take it as just a way to understand what your audience is looking for. Because when you can give content that your audience is looking for, it just becomes easier for you to grow on social media. Because fundamentally, when you give them what they are looking for, that's why they will follow you, right? That's just a basic equation right there. So I think it's just a mindset shift when it comes to looking at likes. And frankly, I have stopped looking at likes, at least in the past year. It's just to see, yes, okay, is this content clicking? If it's not clicking while I talk to them, I talk to my followers, check out what's happening, ask them for suggestions because 
many times when you go to the source itself, they actually have pretty good suggestions for you. Maybe there's a particular, maybe I'll give you an example. At one point, uh, one of my reels that I was posting consistently was mm -hmm. getting a little bit low number of likes. Turns out it's a very simple thing. Turns out that the font color that I was using was just not visible enough for people. They wanted that contrast between the different fonts that I was using. And that's it. The minute I fixed that, again, my next reel went viral. And it's just about that. So take your likes as a way to kind of pivot and see what's working. Yeah, I really like that, actually, that sort of idea of, you know, if, if that sort of thing, if you feel your content is not, uh, people aren't taking to it enough, go out there and just ask them, what do you want That's to see? It. What, you know, what do you want me to produce for you? Um, rather than kind of sitting there worrying about it and, you know, slitting your wrists. Um, so, <laughs> sorry, that was a bit extreme. Um, and then that, you know, from likes, that naturally leads on to followership. Because that's yeah. the other thing that people worry about. And, you know, people say to me, I, I think on our, our company Instagram account, we're at over 5,000 followers. But, you know, I'm it's, it's nothing as far as I'm concerned to be proud of. What I'm more concerned with that I've got, my following is engaged constantly. Right. And it's quality followers because there are yes. so many bots out there. I mean, God knows how many yes. uh, Bitcoin <laughs> Bitcoin experts and, you know, other, <laughs> those types of marketers I've got following me. And, and, and that's the other thing as well is that people get bombarded by other agencies time yes. and again. And this must be the bane of your existence where they offer to grow yes. your social media following organically. We don't do it like the other agencies do. Um, but in actual fact, that is actually all they are doing. Um, nothing is being done manually. Nothing is actually being done organically. They are just using algorithms to, yes. you know, kind of follow and unfollow and hope that some of it sticks enough for you yeah. to keep paying them a subscription, right? Yeah. You know, how, how, how do you deal with all of that? And is that something that your clients bring up quite a lot and, you know, sort of say, well, you know, what you're doing is, is, we can kind of see it's working, but maybe it's working slowly. I don't know. But then I've been offered someone who's, who says that they can boost my likes, for it, my followers, sorry, from 500 it is now to 10,000 in a month. Yeah, so this is one thing that I tell my clients, and I would absolutely love to share it with your listeners as well. Marketing is slow. Marketing is absolutely slow. and It's a marathon, cannot... not a sprint. Yes, absolutely. And the more you have to focus on healthy growth more than quick or speedy growth, to be honest, especially when it comes with marketing, because if your foundation is not laid correctly, you will not be able to build on it. Like, for example, if you have only bots on your Instagram account and maybe you want to start with your email marketing, maybe you want to put a lead magnet out there. You're not going to have many people converting at all. You will not be able to grow your email list. So you can't pile on more marketing strategies if your, um, if your foundation is not right at all. So you've got to make sure that your foundation is right. And for that, let me tell you, marketing is slow. And all of these quick fixes, I mean, it's an absolute no. It's just black or white with me. And it's just no, that's it. I yeah. have only one word answer because... One, your engagement drops significantly. Number two, um, with this whole unfollow follow business, 
imagine if you were the other person, you know, you were the person who um, someone follows you and then next week they unfollow you after you follow them. I mean, is that the kind of feeling that you want to give your customers? It, it, you do feel that sense of betrayal, right? You know, and that's yeah. not right. You actually want to start your relationship on a healthy note, whether it is with your followers or them even becoming potential clients of yours. So I guess I would say, if your engagement is low, reach out to the source. Um, this is something that I personally do for my account as well. Voice note them. Ha get a personal touch with your followers. Get Let them get to know you. Um, when you are posting content on your social media, share more about behind the scenes. Get people involved in your process, in the way you run your business, because when they involve, there's an emotional connection over there. When there's an emotional connection, there is trust. When there is trust, eventually it will lead to them looking at you to help them with whatever problem that you are solving. Wow, that was a really complicated sentence. I hope I got that right. No, but no, not, <laughs> not yes. to, but it makes sense. But so, for example, you know, using the Instagram example again because it's the thing that I use the most these days. So I'm I'm really really trying to find a theme for my feed, and I'm starting to use Reels a bit more. I'm not yes. so good at the video stuff, but I've got an app where so very often if I'm if I'm trying on clothes with a client, I will be taking photos in sequence yes. as I'm fitting them. And then what I've got an app which um, uh, is called Memento and it basically automatically takes that sequence of photos and it puts it into almost like a stop motion video. And then I right. post that as a reel and then I put some, you know, whatever funky music on it or whatever. So it's all really cool. Um, and now I'm starting to use reels much more than I ever was before. So I try and use my feed as like the showcase for the finished product. But then I use Instagram stories as the behind the scenes, you know, what's going on in the workroom, um, you know, what goes on in my personal life at home or when I'm traveling or my dogs and stuff like that, because people also like to see pictures of cats yeah, and of all that kind of thing. So so, <laughs> yeah. so that's kind of how I've I've separated the two. So stories is for behind the scenes stuff because it disappears after 24 hours. And then the actual feed is for showcasing the product and what we actually do. The algorithm on Instagram really is pushing for reels at the moment. There's heavy competition from TikTok and YouTube shorts. So it's a good move, actually. It's a really smart move to get onto reels. And if I'm not wrong, the latest update of Instagram. So what you can actually do is you can choose a music and then you can pick the pictures and then it automatically syncs the pictures to the beat of the music. So oh, wow. that's a feature that's on my phone. I think it's the latest updates. And um, that might be something that it probably not rolled out yet completely to all the places. But uh, yeah, Instagram's actually doing that for you. And of course, you have different apps that can do that for you. So if videos are not your thing, you can absolutely use pictures. And if pictures are not your thing, like real life pictures, what you can do is create um, the kind of content that you would create on an Instagram post on Canva mm -hmm. and then just sequence them as a, like, you know, stop motion or a slow motion kind of video. So those work as well. So there are different ways to go about creating a static content into a dynamic content like um, reels, like a moving content. So yeah, I thought that was pretty good. That's pretty awesome. Good tip there. Yeah, thank you. I'm not sure the reels are getting that many likes, but I can see that the views and the engagement is pretty high. It which will, is it more will important take some than anything. Time. Yeah, it exactly. will take some time. Yeah, I mean, I'm kind of enjoying creating them that way because 
you know, that's I kind of feel like I've done part. something really cool, you know, especially that's when you get the right part. kind of music and yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I, I honestly tell all my clients this, you got to have fun with the process. You just have to have fun with the process. And it's so nice that you are having fun with the process. I am now, like I was really hating it previously. I mean, I still <laughs> think ultimately, um, you know, my goal is to kind of, I, I think I would always have to have some involvement with whatever yeah. we're doing on, on social media and so on. But because obviously what we do, you know, my company has my name on it. You look at the podcast, it's also, you know, I'm heavily involved, obviously. But ultimately, you know, I, you know, my goal is to basically find the right kind of agency to be able to pass a lot of it off to get a lot of help. Mm, Because obviously I'm kind of getting really busy with lots and lots of other things. (laughs) Yeah. It's crazy. But we'll talk about that offline. You know, the other thing that really inspired me when when you first got in touch, it, obviously it was the name, you know, the marketing nomad, which I thought was <laughs> awesome because that tells you just everything you need to know in a nutshell. Yes. I was like, this is a free spirit who has got her, you know what, together. That's That's what I thought the first time I heard that phrase. And I was like, I want to meet her. I want to find out how she did it. And I I want to take some inspiration and, and hopefully, you know, become a little bit more nomadic in my own life rather than being on this constant treadmill all the time. How are you really finding balancing things, you know, that you've got, you're, you're growing a business, you're obviously extremely busy because you've got all these clients that you're looking after. Um, how have you built your business and managed to protect your own time and you know, been able to protect the time that you need to do the things that you love to do? Okay, so great, great, great question. It was a learning process for me. I have to admit that that when I first started out, I think, again, because of all the pain and anguish that I was feeling, I really put all of my energy into work. And then, of course, I burned out within three months of the entrepreneurial journey because <laughs> 24-7, I was just working, working, working. And I think um, I didn't learn from that burnout. I still continued working. And then six months after that, I had a massive burnout where I had to take two months break from my work. It was just absolutely crazy. So during that massive burnout, I think it was June 2020, if I'm not wrong, I realized that one, I was miscategorizing my activities. And let me explain what I mean by that. So I, because I was so passionate about creating videos and, you know, doing a little bit of Bollywood dancing on my, on my reels and, you know, talking to my audience and all of those things, I categorized them as hobbies. I did. And so the consulting work, I made, made it as my work work, I guess I would say. And then this would be my hobbies. But what, one thing I realized was because eventually it was going to become a revenue stream for my business there was money involved. It was not a hobby. And I was basically working 24 seven, you know, even when I was not working, I was working. So after that, I set a rule for myself that I have to, um, this is something really silly that I do, but it's worked so well for me. I actually put my self care time on my work calendar. And there's, we are just wired to take every single thing off of our work calendar. And when I first started out, I put it on my personal calendar. And I was like, Meh, I, I'm not going to do that. But then the minute I started shifting it into my work calendar, I was like, okay, no, I've got to do my YouTube video for this week, the podcast episode. Oh, oh there's self-care time as well. So I'm going to focus on that as well. So 
I think one learning when you are the signs of burnout, one understanding that number two, making sure that you are prioritizing your personal activities, your self-care, because as entrepreneurs, we are inherently very, very passionate about what we do because of that passion. I mean, it has its pros, but it also has its cons is that we get swept away and we stop focusing on ourselves. We stop focusing on what should be a holistic view of life, like personal life, you know, relationships and, um, you know, your own self-care as well. So I think understanding that fundamental difference, understanding that, yes, you are passionate, but that can also act as a weakness. So you've got to work around that a little bit, giving time, managing my time. Yes, it's been a learning curve. Oh, God. And I think that the whole process of I think that being balanced is overrated. I I really think it is. I think that the entrepreneurial journey is fundamentally about a cycle of you being unbalanced then balanced then unbalanced and then balanced. And I think that being unbalanced is a sign of growth because every single time there's been a growth in my business, I've been unsteady. I've been like, okay, what's happening? Everything's around me. It's going up in flames. And then I, you know, figure out a routine. I figure out a new way to go about it. And then I get back into balance. And then again, the next stage. So I think that if you are so stuck on being balanced, that can actually hinder your business's growth. That can hinder your own time and dead like you know the way you perceive your entrepreneurial journey so i guess these are all the tips that i have um but if there's anything more specific that you want me to talk about i'll be happy to delve into it no i mean you said it sounded silly for you to put care time in your diary but it's not silly at all it's it's it is the right thing to do i mean you know if i took a print out now or a screenshot and sent it to you of my calendar you would see uh, you know, you'd see client appointment, and then I actually put the travel time in. Oh, that's uh, awesome! And block that out, and then client, and then travel time, and then client, 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 because they're all at the same location. And then I have one till one thirty, uh, one till two thirty, or even one till three blocked out every single day to get home because my dogs, I I don't like to be away from them for the entire day. So I have that time with them, but that's also time for myself because we're out walking in the park or whatever, and I'm not doing work stuff. Then I have like, you know, time blocked out for client callbacks. Then I have a clear the deck slot half an hour where I just get rid of everything from the day, prepare for the next day and write down my top three goals to achieve the next day. And then I have my exercise time and then it's whatever we're doing as a family in the evening. But the point is, is that it doesn't matter whether it's business or personal, it's all part of the same life. Yes. And so the calendar is there to help me to manage my life. And so for me, absolutely everything needs to go in there. So you're doing, I'm so happy to hear that you're doing that because it is so important. And then once you've done that, it's saying no to things that start coming in and it was really interesting you talking about balance because if you think about the most obvious example of something in our lives that balances you think of a seesaw and if you think of a seesaw let's say you had a twin who is identical to you in every single way down to the pound in terms of weight and you both sat either end you're still only going to be in balance on that seesaw for a fraction right. of a second. Yes. Wow. One of you is going to be up and one of you is going to be down. <laughs> yeah. The one who's down then powers their legs to shift the seesaw up and you might try to kind of balance your weight either end so that when you kind of get to that point where you're both level with each other, you're trying to hold it there, 
you might be able to hold it there for a fraction of a second, maybe a second, I don't know. But then what's going to happen is either your twin's going to go back down again or you're going to go down, they're going to go up. And I, I see life that way, that we always have things going on our seesaw either end and it's almost impossible. In fact, it, I don't know, it could be impossible. I'm sure there have been studies done on this, but I, I feel like it's impossible to achieve perfect balance at any time in your life. And you, you kind of have to accept that. But then what you, you do is you kind of, um, you learn how to manage your rhythm, basically, and your energy. Oh, I love that analogy. I have never heard of it. I mean, I, I mean, I've been on the seesaws and stuff like that, but I've never thought of it that way. And that's such an interesting way to look at it because it's true. It's true. I mean, how many times have we sat with someone who's probably our weight and was just like struggling to balance? And I think that the whole concept of like social media, everyone, you know, the picture perfect life shows balance, but I, I don't think that's, that's real life. That, that's not the entrepreneurial journey at all. No. And I'm so glad you brought that up. You're welcome. I made that up on the spot, by the way. <laughs> oh, that's good. That, that was really good. I have I, an I overactive imagination. Yes. So when I'm trying to problem oh, solve, good. I try. That's just how my brain works. It kind of goes in. It's like Disney inside my mind. It's basically. a visual. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You're, you're, <laughs> it's, I'm the same too. <laughs> so I get it. <laughs> but but it's a it's a very visual, um, imaginative brain. But yeah, pros and cons, pros and cons. So I don't know if you have uh, Disney Plus and if you've seen uh, Kamala Khan, okay. uh, Miss Marvel. I'm yet to see that. I'm, I'm really excited to watch that. I do have Disney Hotstar here. Yeah, yeah. We, when we you... call it Hotstar. Do you? Oh, well, yeah, Hotstar. we call it disney plus but you know okay. you know what happened don't you because they disney bought you know star was the indian channel yes yes so yes. so they bought hot star yeah but then no no they, I, I think that yeah they bought it. i thought yeah so bought i thought it or I don't, collaborated yeah sure. so i don't know if the original indian star channel had to change its name because then disney have taken star for themselves but anyway, that was there was all that kind of branding, rebranding going on. Okay. But anyway, but Miss Marvel, you'll absolutely love it. But you'll you'll remember this conversation about visuals <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> when you see that. I won't give anything away. But it was it was okay. A delightful show. I think it's the best show that Mar the best TV show that really? Marvel have done to date. You know. Oh really? Okay. And I'm not okay, just then, being. Then I'm really excited to get. I'm not into just it. being biased because I'm half Indian, but. You know, there you go. Um, <laughs> where is the business at the moment? Is it all on your shoulders? Do you, have you hired since? How big's your team? Well, I have hired independent contractors before, you know, to help me with blog writing, to help me with the administrative tasks. But hiring full-time employees, I'm not at that stage yet. It's still all on my shoulders. I would consider myself a solopreneur at this point. Yeah. Um, like, yeah, so it's all on me at the moment, but I, I think I might have to in the future because with the book coming out and my time being split between my book, my social media platforms and my consulting business, I'm going to need some help. <laughs> definitely. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I'm kind of on that journey as well because I've been running on my own for 10 years or my, well, I mean, my wife runs a business with me. You know, we're finally now at that stage where we are in the hiring process. So we're interviewing next week um, because if we're going to achieve our goals and move the business yeah. forward and so on, and also kind of just try and, you know, get some breathing space in our lives and not be working. I think so, yeah. All the time, you suddenly need to start learning how to delegate because your time is very, yes. very valuable. Um, valuable, true. You know, and you'll be getting highly conscious of that now, I'm sure. So, you know, I'm sure there's yes. things... I'm sure there's things you're doing that you're too 
overqualified for <laughs> by this time. Oh, so many. So many. Yeah. <laughs> so many at this point, yes. I really, really look forward to um, getting hold of your book. So please, oh, please make you. like, let's please keep in touch. And uh, yes, yeah. absolutely. I'm going to be first in line when it comes out. And then, Thank uh, you. and then if you're open, willing, and if I haven't put you off today, um, I'd love to have you back so we can talk about it. Of course. Absolutely. 100%. Super excited for our next podcast episode, Roberto. Fantastic. And I'm going to ask you two questions, actually. So, sure. no, three, because I have to ask you the question I ask every single guest. Okay. Have you had fun today? Yes, absolutely. So much fun. It was so enjoy. Like, I absolutely enjoyed talking to you about my journey, then getting to know about your journey. And I think we've also got some good social media tips for your listeners as well. So I enjoyed, thoroughly enjoyed. Oh, brilliant. I'm so glad. Thank you. Um, Thank you for the opportunity, Roberto. Oh, you're welcome. Second question. When it comes to your ideal clients, how would you define that? So if I was to go out and find clients for you or recommend people to you, what makes an ideal client for you? So if you are a small business owner, if you are a solopreneur, if you are an entrepreneur and you're struggling with marketing, you have no idea where to start, or, you know, maybe your engagement's not working right. Maybe your website traffic's not going right. You, you know, something's wrong with your marketing. That's where I come in. I help you strategize. I take a look at everything. I do my entire research. And then I basically work with you or your team, your marketing team to strategize your entire marketing, to help you link your different paths, to help you create a system that's absolutely strong and will stand the test of time. Fantastic. And lastly, where can people find you online? Which is a stupid question, but go ahead. (laughs) Yes, I'm the marketing nomad every single uh, place that you can find online. I've got my Etsy shop, YouTube channel, the podcast. I'm the marketing nomad show over there. Um, Instagram, yes, absolutely. Come and say hello. I'm a really friendly person. You know, just say hello. Tell me one thing that you liked about this episode. And um, I look forward to connecting with you on all my social media platforms. It's probably a lot of work, but, you know, I'll catch you there. Yeah, exactly. I'll start stalking you soon. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty, thank, thank you, you. <laughs> so much for today. No, really, that's absolutely amazing. I can't wait thank to get you. this one out. And I think I think what we should do is actually break this episode down when I get it transcribed. Um, and we'll get some of those articles co-written and out on LinkedIn and places as well. Okay, that works. That works so well. Thank you, Roberto. That means I can be a co-author. <laughs> I can be a co-author with an author. <laughs> Absolutely, 100%. Let's, uh, let's get it. It will come in the Bollywood movie that's going to come out <laughs> with my life story. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Will you realize the next episode I have you on, my opening intro for you is going to be even longer because now I need to add author to it's gonna be best-selling out of author, hopefully, to, to the list of achievements. Well, thank you. Exactly. That's thank it. You oh, so thank you so much. And thank you guys so much for listening all the way up until here. I absolutely enjoyed speaking with Roberto, helping you guys out with your social media as well. It's been such a pleasure, such an honor, such a privilege as well. Oh no, the privilege is all mine and definitely the audience. I'm, I'm sure they're probably nodding their heads at the moment. Thank you all so much for joining Pritvi and I on this episode. Don't forget that Tailoring Talk is now on Instagram at Tailoring Talk Podcast. 
And you know I love feedback, so you can also email the show directly at tailoringtalkpodcast at gmail.com. Any comments, feedback that you have for Pret, just let me know and I'll be sure to pass it on. Or just Google the Marketing Nomad or just hit the links that I put in the show notes and you'll be able to connect with her. Please remember to subscribe, rate and review. You can also click the share button in your player to send this episode on to people you know who you feel would benefit from Pritvi's amazing knowledge. Yeah, like, wow, (laughs) what a brain. Um, If you're enjoying (laughs) Tailoring Talk and feel compelled to throw some change our way and support the show, you can now buy me a coffee at buymeacoffee.com forward slash Roberto Revilla. Have a great week. And I'll see you on the next one. Bye, guys.